Just a reminder, our podcast deals with crimes that are often violent and graphic in nature, so listener discretion is advised. So when in doubt, leave the kids out. Now, please let us take you back in time. Hello, Old Time Crime Gal fans. We are back this week. It's Melissa here with... Shannon, and I have a little bit of a cold. Yes. Not really. I don't know. Where we live, we have what's called yellow stuff, called yeah, pollen. pollen. <laughs> it's everywhere. I think we talked about it last week, but anyway, it's been affecting me this week. I don't so. know. Last, so, the end of last week's episode it was like, it cut off wonky, and it was totally, so, immediately after recording oh, yeah. last week's episode, I landed myself in the high-intensity unit of the hospital. I have checked all the boxes. So, we've been in what? Intensive care, critical care, and yeah, we've, we've done that. So, I don't <laughs> want to do that again. Um, so no, we're back so this week and everything's getting back to normal because yes. as we always say life happens it that's does. right it does so thank y'all for riding this wave so I'm a little raspy raspy, <laughs> raspy. I like that word raspy raspy I think raspy. I made it up yeah raspy okay we like raspy's fun why not <laughs> so this week I decided to do a story out of Australia because they all the stories they have are just really crazy they're um they have crazy they're out there they're out there when they when their criminals do what they're gonna do they just go they go all out it's all them creatures that they have creeping <laughs> yeah i don't want to i'm wanna not talking about there. the human variety so yeah, i know somebody to... from there and she said it's not as bad as we think but i don't know there's yeah, some crazy I, stuff i have a few friends um online that are from there we have some listeners that are in australia so shout out to you tell um, us about anything crazy we'd yeah. love to hear it this one is uh, Catherine Knight. She's from Aberdeen, which is a small town about 45 miles outside of Newcastle. And I know that's really not helping us because I don't know the geography. But um, she was born in October 24th, 1955. She has a twin sister, Joy. No mention of her sister everywhere. Huh. Anywhere. But so it's like, you know, they always say one's like an evil twin. So apparently Catherine is the evil twin. Okay. Because there's no mention of, like, she has seven other siblings, eight children in that family, and so Catherine is the one that we're going to focus on. Do we know if the other twin is alive? or? Okay. I do not know. Okay. I have a lot of information, but not that. So, um, of course, she had a hard childhood, which we talk about. Oftentimes, those that do end up doing some crazy, crazy things. Um, so, and then those that don't have, they end up doing crazy things too, like the wild bill from our last time. So, uh, so Barbara is her mom, and she was married to Jack Rom, and they had um, four boys before a set of twins were born. Okay, but the twins, which will end up being Catherine and Joy, were by a man named Ken. Ken Knight. So her mom had left her first husband for this man okay. named Ken. And Ken was not so great. He, um, they had a highly toxic relationship. There were red flags all over the place. It was a violent cycle. It just was not good. Um, Barbara was constantly abused by him. I mean, he was an alcoholic. He used violence against the kids regularly. Uh, she took it out on the kids regularly. They ran a strict, um, discipline schedule 
Um, we're talking about like a typical occurrence on a regular day was he would knock her out oh, and like wow. rape her 10 times oh, while wow. his kids were in the house. Oh, no. So they were subject to all of this stuff. He was a bad person. Yeah. So huh. two, two of her sons that were older stayed with their father. Okay. And then two of them stayed with their aunt and Sydney. So the four boys in the beginning, they were not in the situation. So it was the two girls. So it was the twins. And then there, I heard there in the podcast I listened to, there was eight children. So there should wow. be two more, but that doesn't mention those. Okay. Um, but that's Barbara's, um, her life children. environment with her husband and her children. And so it's not very great. So of course this was impressioned on her as an early age, what a relationship should be like, because we often, Follow our parents. Yes. All right. So we're going to go on. We just talked for like 15 minutes and didn't realize that audio wasn't recording, but that's okay. It's okay. We're going to say life happens again. That's right. <laughs> so we yes. are talking about, so then she went to high school. Yes. Uh, first, uh, we need to mention that um, about her telling psychiatrists that her older brother's sexually oh, assaulted yes. her until she was 11. And they believe those events confirmed by family members based on her psychology and um she was later diagnosed as an adult as having a bipolar disorder and some other stuff going on which makes sense when you yes. read back through um i was gonna ask that so. yeah but in the meantime that wasn't until she was an adult so she does go to high school and um she was a loner and her classmates remember her as a bully um which is not uncommon but she was also nice and sweet at times unless she was angry if you make her angry she'd snap at you so she often got rewarded for good behavior and was a model student, in quotes, <laughs> to some teachers. However, when she leaves at 15, she can't read nor write. So I don't know how she flew under right. the we radar were... at that point. Because we, I mean, our no child left behind, that wouldn't, yeah, that no. wouldn't flew here. And I know, like maybe the teachers were scared of her. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. We'll give you a check mark today if you don't kill us. Yeah. <laughs> Please She's... don't punch anybody. Yes. Put the scissors down. No, um, but I mean that could be the case. And I say God bless our teachers because teachers put up with enough anyway. But let let this was like this. This was back in the day though yeah. when things weren't tolerated as much. So I don't know. Interesting. And so I had asked Shannon, I said, when she leaves school at 15, she gets her dream job. And what would that be? And she actually got it right. A butcher. Yep. She works at a slaughterhouse or an abattoir. So she works there. And it wasn't long before they promote her to the boning section. And she gets her very own set of butcher's knives that she considers one of her prized possessions, carries them with her. And she actually keeps them above her bed where... Quote, she, they would always be hanging if I needed them. And that just seems really creepy to yes, me. Yes, because I don't know why you would need to put your knives above your bed in your regular day life. But anyway, yeah. Catherine thought she might need them one day. I don't know. I'd be afraid I'd hit the wall or a tornado or an earthquake or <laughs> I don't, a truck. I was laying I, on I my couch know. and my clock fell and hit my head. See, I I just, want, yeah, I'm with you. And those like horror movies where they go into the barn and like all the pitchforks and stuff. Yeah, like, like, that's, yeah. I don't want anything yeah. over my bed. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, thank you. Not they can fall and kill me. <laughs> We're good. But so as a result of her childhood and her looking at her parents and how things were in her house. So she obviously tries to have relationships because you grow up and that's what you do. But she has a skewed perception of what love is and how things should be. So she kind of runs through a lot of people because they can't hang with her toxic 
violent outburst. Gotcha. Which is not healthy. And so she meets David Kellett. This is number one. This is relationship number one. So she's 18. This is 1973. And he is a co-worker at the Slaughterhouse. So they have that in common. And he also had experienced some trauma working for the railroad uh, before the abattoir. So he had a friend who died in a shunting um, thing on the railroad that he witnessed. And then he rescued a bunch of children from a wreck that a train had hit a bus and like some of the kids had died and like oh, he wow. had gotten injured. And, and so he was very, had like PTSD and suffered a lot of trauma. And as a result, he became an alcoholic. That's how he dealt with it. And so, um, of course, her dad was an alcoholic and we were attracted to what we know, basically. And so the two get married in 1974 after she proposed. She was the one who decided that would happen. And the tiny ceremony, the couple arrives on her motorcycle. David in tow was already intoxicated. Wow. Yes. And so her mom was there to support her. And Barbara walks up to David and gives him some marriage advice. And in certain terms, I'm not going to quote because it's some language. But basically, she says, watch out for this one. Like, don't mess up. Don't screw up. Don't cheat on her. She'll kill you. Wow. This is her mother yep. telling him. Yep. Watch quote, out. Quote, she'll... she's got a screw loose. Oh, wow. From her own mom. And he doesn't, it doesn't seem to phase him. Yeah. And you're intoxicated. He's like, eh, I mean, who, yeah. who would think that that was a serious thing? Unless, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I can mm-hmm. see from some people, but I don't know. Excuse me. But craziness. Yes. So we talked about things got crazy on night one. So this is their wedding night. And Catherine tries to strangle David because they had only had sex three times and not ten. Because her dad had set that bar earlier. That's when terrible. She was and he probably just fell asleep because he was intoxicated. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so she tried to strangle him. but And he stays. He's like, oh, okay, no problem. Yeah, he didn't I get on his bike, but he couldn't because he, he couldn't. had to ride he her bike. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so he stays after that horrible, memorable wedding night evening. And so time passes. They continue the toxic dance of, of she's being angry. She lashes out. She apologizes. He comes back. And eventually, Catherine, she gets pregnant. So, David, he actually was at the bar one night participating in a dark competition. And he made it all the way to the finals. He was in the final round. And so, he arrived home later than he expected. Well, Catherine, being at home and pregnant, gets mad. And when she's mad, she lashes out. So, she takes his clothes and burns them along with his shoes. And then, as soon as he walks in, she hits him in the head with a frying pan. Oh, my gracious. (laughs) And so he runs to the neighbor's house and he gets treated for a fractured skull. And then the police want to charge Catherine, but she talks them out of it, blaming David for the incident. And her being pregnant, that probably, who knows? And back then, you know, know, violence from a woman wasn't as common. Yeah. But I have in my notes, run away, David, run away. Yeah. He he doesn't run away. away. (laughs) Limp away. Whatever. Just crawl. Do something. Get away from her. Yeah. Um, but David stuck around because in May of 1976, um, Melissa Ann was born. And but then getting tired of the abuse, David leaves and moves to Queensland, Queensland to be with another woman. And I think that was we talked about the stressor that made her snap ultimately and spiral downhill because even though her parents weren't exactly the best role models, they were together for a yeah. long time. And she 
couldn't make this relationship last. And she know, was still maybe young. Maybe she shouldn't have tried to strangle him. Yeah, that would have Or helped. hit him in the head with a frying pan. Uh, but, might help. She didn't, so, she didn't look like she has self-introspection. So. No, but the very next day, she's seen kind of wandering through Main Street aimlessly but like she had melissa with her in the baby carriage and she's just rocking the baby carriage like side to side like tipping it on like just crazy and so they um somebody calls and they take her to the hospital so she gets admitted to a hospital in tamworth and they diagnose her with um post postnatal depression and she recovers but then she's released which I think that's a more than a long-term couple of days. Yeah, that's, like a, that's kind of weird, especially yeah. with the treatment of the baby. But I guess they can't keep her there at the hospital, but so she gets released. But then just a few days after that, something else happens. So she definitely blames the baby for making David leave. And just, I have here, poor Melissa. Oh, yes, poor, poor Melissa. Melissa. So Catherine places two-month-old Melissa in the middle of the train tracks, shortly before a scheduled train. And I'm assuming she's not, like, at the train station because somebody would see her do yeah. this. So it's got to be off of, a, like, a sidetrack somewhere. And so a vagrant who is known to the area was walking around looking for stuff to pick up, probably, like, Kansas running for cash or, or something. And he happens to find the baby on the railroad tracks. And he rescues her literally minutes before a scheduled train runs through. Wow. And so as a result, she gets arrested. And they send her back to the hospital in which she signs herself out the very next day. See, and she endangered a child, so she shouldn't be able to get out that quick. That's Somebody sad. had to watch the child because they gave yeah, her right back to her. Yeah, that's sad. So they gave Melissa right back to her. Yep, and mm. she was nowhere near done on her little spree. So she slashes a woman's face with a knife and demands to be driven to Queensland to track down David. Oh, wow. I remember she couldn't read or write, so she probably doesn't have a driver's license either. Yes. So she kind of hijacks a car and tells this person to drive into Queensland. She wants to track this guy down. But the lady. I wonder what happened to her motorcycle. Well, the lady gets away. Well, that's right. She did ride her motorcycle. Yeah. But she couldn't put the baby on it, maybe. Yeah. She she, took the baby with her. They didn't detail that part. Details. (laughs) Details. It's in the details. But the lady gets away, and by the time police are called, Catherine's got like a boy hostage with a knife. And so they disarm her with brooms. I love that. I don't know if they were just like smacking at her with a broom and she had the knife. Oh, anyway, wow. They disarm her with brooms and they. Weapons? Like the. Well, they probably Australian, do, but I, I don't remember. know if it was. Yeah. Like here, they would probably shoot. Nowadays, they yeah. would shoot no question, but. Well, well we don't not know. Not really, but, but anyway, yeah. they have to have reasons if someone's in danger. But they disarmed her with brooms. I don't, okay. know, I don't know what I kind like of. That. I don't know if they were long. It's like a witch like hunt. Wicker, but I'm they, gonna get you with the brooms, you ogre. Beat her with the broom yeah. and get away the knife, save the boy, and take her to the um, psychiatric hospital. So while she's, and this is hard to follow because I had to read it two or three times. I'm like, really? I don't understand how that would happen. Like somebody's not paying attention. So while she's in the hospital, she tells staff her plan, what she wanted to do. She wanted to kill the mechanic at the station because he was the person to work on David's car. If the car wasn't fixed, he couldn't have left. Oh, so wow. for some reason, he was in like seven, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. He was, oh, wow. He had something to do with it. Okay. So then she was going to get to Queensland and kill David and his mother. Okay. Because his mother probably gave birth to him. So this I, wouldn't have all started if she hadn't given birth. Exactly. I don't know. She would have never met him. And <laughs> yeah. It would all, all been done. So I don't know what her thought process was behind that. So that's her plan. So police tell David this information. You're and I want, you, I want you to guess what he does with this information. What does he do with this information? Does he go see her at the psychiatric hospital? 
He leaves his girlfriend, <gasps> takes his mom, and moves to support her. Oh, <gasps> I was and right. And she's released in their custody. Oh, my she water. She admitted she wanted to kill them, and they give her to them oh to live God. together under oh. one roof. This is wrong in so many ways. And <laughs> the, the sad thing is so I'm, many layers. I'm figuring it out. That's the sad part, too. Yep. So they all three moved to Ipswich, which I don't know where that's at. I think it's near Brisbane. But again, I don't know the geographical um, cities. But anyway, they move outside of Aberdeen. Aber so he leaves the girl, brings he his mother. and says, come on, we got to go support her. Hey, mom. I guess because it's the mother of his child. But yeah. So, okay. Hey, mom. Catherine wants to kill us. Let's go live with her. Yeah. Is that what basically? Let's, let's go get help her support her as she okay. gets out of jail for, yeah, or psychiatric hospital. Yes. She's not in jail yet. No. Yeah. So she doesn't yeah. get caught. But anyway, so yes. And, and on March 6, 1983, daughter Natasha Marie was born. And so, and then after all that chasing after David, all that stuff, she ends up leaving him in 1984. Oh my gracious. And makes her way back to Aberdeen and goes back to work at the slaughterhouse. Her so after that place. big hole to do, she just says, okay, I'm done with you. Take my two kids and go back to Aberdeen. Oh, wow. Okay. And so that was David Kellett. But he didn't kill. She didn't kill him. No, she didn't kill him. Okay. Well, he escaped. She said she wanted to. Yeah. But did. So this is relationship number two. David Saunders, also a David. Wow. Okay. So she meets him in 1986. He's a 38-year-old miner. And um, he kept his apartment, but moves in with her and her two daughters. So at this time, Melissa is 10, Natasha is 3. And so, again, she's got that same cycle of violence, apologizing, all that up and down, toxic stuff going on. Um, she would kick him out because he still had his apartment. So okay. she would kick him out, and then he'd come back. And she'd okay. Kick him out when she get angry and come back, which, I mean, we know people that have done that kind of thing, too. Yes. But so in May... Of 1997, she gets so mad at him that he had this dingo puppy that he really liked. Uh oh. And it was only two months old. And she just like picks it up and says, Guess what, dude? And just stabs it. <gasps> in front of in him? In front of him. Oh no. And then knocks him out in the frying pan. <gasps> she loves that frying pan. <laughs> That's why she reminded me of you <laughs> in some way. Not not a lot of ways. But I, had the any, frying pan. I had anybody with a frying pan, just so you know. It's, it's just. You know, but it's good to have one. one. Yeah. yeah, that's right. But, yes, yeah, so it then knocks them out with a frying pan. Wow. But, apparently, that just must be her go-to when she's pregnant because in June 1988, she gives birth to another daughter named Sarah. And that... That makes Saunders want to... Like, put a down payment on a house. Oh. So, he had his apartment. He would be kicking in and out. But then they have this baby. So, he decides to buy a house. Okay. And then she. So, this is David Saunders. And this is their yep. child together in 88. Okay. But she gets workman's comp from an injury she had at the slaughterhouse. And she takes that money and pays off the place. And so, she decorates it how she sees fit. Because it's really hers. So imagine there's like just what we talked about, pitchforks and knives hanging up everywhere, oh, yeah. like animal pelts and skulls and old leather jackets and just just creepy, creepy yeah, tacky, horrible decor. So that's her her space, and it says like even the ceilings have like meat hooks hanging from them, and like just With every children. space is and covered. You, and you have babies around. Yeah, you have babies. 
That's kind of creepy. But so they get into an argument one day, and she hits him in the face with an iron and stabs him in the stomach with a pair of scissors. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And so he moves back home to his apartment. Okay, so he lived. So, yep, so he moves back home to his apartment, and she cuts up all his clothes. Oh, wow. So she burned the clothes, but then she cuts these up. And so he goes into hiding, and she tries to find him, but she can't. And eventually, he wants to see his daughter. Yeah. So, he tries to come back around, but Catherine had already told the police that she had been abused, and she was afraid of him, and she had taken out an AVO, which is an apprehended violence order, I guess, kind of like a restraining order kind of thing. Okay. Against him. Okay. Making him the bad guy. So, she's very, very manipulative. Very manipulative. Yes. And so he just drops off the radar. We don't hear about him. Anymore. Of course, they're believing her. She has the children, and the men are going away, mm-hmm. leaving her. So this is David and David's now number three. So in 1997, Catherine becomes pregnant by a former slaughterhouse co-worker by the name of John Chillingsworth. Okay. So in 1998, she gives birth to a boy named Eric. And so again, they have this continuous cycle of stuff that goes on. And in three years, she leaves John for another John. So we have David and David, John. This is another John. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. John Price. So this is the one that just she cannot let get away. John Charles Thomas Price. He was born on April 4th, 1955. And he already had three children. So now she has four. He has three. So now they're at seven, which she's from a family of eight. So no big deal on her. Okay. And so his two-year-old daughter lives with his ex-wife. Okay. And his two older children live with him. And so Price knew about Catherine's reputation. <gasps> I mean, this is a small town. She's yeah. been in a small town. Everyone knows you don't mess with her. She'll like, she'll kill you. Up. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so. You know, Why would you even take the His fire? children liked her. Oh, my gracious. So he just says, hey, come on and move in with me. Oh, my Bring word. your daughters. And so. Okay. She must have been really manipulative and. Like, Apart from the occasional violent argument, he says, quote, life was a bunch of roses. Oh, my word. <laughs> you shouldn't have any violent arguments. Yeah, no. Arguments, yes. People disagree, but violently? Violent, yeah. No. Stab you with a pair of scissors? Knock you in the head with a no. man? Fracture your skull? Yeah. Not normal. No. Not normal. But, yeah. But it was a bunch of roses until it wasn't. So, Catherine wanted to get married. She wanted to get married okay. again, and he did not. Apparently, he was through with that, that whole idea. And so, in a rage, she videotapes items that he, quote, stole from work and sends it to his boss. However, the items were from his work, but they were outdated medical kits that were, like, in the rubbish trash pile that they were going to throw away anyway. And he probably would have never gotten reprimanded for it yeah. if it wasn't brought to his boss's attention. And so, even though that was the case, his boss fired him. And so, he gets mad at that and kicks her out of his house. And then um, later picks the relationship back up, but just says she can't move in. I guess that like, was one of those violent arguments. So, yep. we'll have a relationship, but you can't live here. Yep, not going to live here. Can't see what I bring home from work. <laughs> Take pictures. But in February of 2000, this is when things go from horrible to way worse. So, they fought a lot, a lot more violent struggles. Um, and this is John Price. This is John Price. Okay. She had even stabbed him in the chest. Wow. Mm-hmm. So on the 29th of February, this must have been a um, what leap year? Was, or oh, year? okay. I read that and was like, hmm, I wonder if I should look the fact check that. But on the 29th of February in 2000, he actually stops by the court on his way home from work and take, I guess he got another job, but didn't specify where. 
but he takes out a restraining order to protect himself and his children. He had told co-workers that he was afraid to go home, fearing that Catherine would kill his children if he didn't. Like, if he didn't show up, she would do something to his kids. Why his kids were alone there with her at this yes. point, I don't know. After she stabs him. But they like her. Maybe yeah. she's nice to them. Remember, she's nice until That's she true. gets mad. That's how she got through school. Yeah. So, um. I should have tried that. <laughs> <laughs> Not the killing, but the niceness, niceness to get through school. The niceness. Let's, let's, yeah. let's possibly yes. verify that. I don't verify. like knives. Um, so he gets home. So he goes home anyway, but he tells his co-workers, like, if something happens to me, like, you know what happened. Like, right. I'm, I'm seriously worried. And so he goes home and the house is empty. He finds out that she had sent the children to a sleepover at a friend's house. I guess she left a note. It didn't specify how he knew that. So he decides to spend his evening at the neighbor's house and hang out there for most of the evening and then come home at like 11 o'clock where he could just like go to bed. Like not have to deal with. That's when I wouldn't come home. Well, when I'm sleeping and don't well, know what she's doing. Well, she had a plan. So she, I don't know if he knew about it, but so she had sent the kids to a sleepover and she wanted to spend the night with John. One last time. Ah. He didn't know about the last time part. Yeah. So earlier that day, she had taken all of her children, I think we're at four now, um, out to eat. She had videotaped it, and she'd also bought some lingerie, and she was making crude comments. Like, I haven't looked up the video. I'm sure it's out there. But, um, so anyway, she goes home to see John, and then after, as he sleeps, she, you know, grabs her set of mounds from up top of her bed, and <sighs> she keeps, and just decides to start stabbing. Wow. And so he makes it all the way to the hallway and to almost to the front door before he bleeds out. And so, and then one of the crimes, I was just blood everywhere. Um, he had over 36 stab wounds. Oh my gracious. But that's not the worst thing she did. Well, my thing, I'm still back at, hey guys, I'm scared to go home, but I'm going to go well, home to sleep. But I'm going to go home anyway. And yeah. I will sleep. He's still going to spend it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. Okay, so that's not even the worst. Not the okay. worst. I mean, that's pretty bad. That's really bad. Then it gets gross. It gets worse. To him or somebody else? Well, he's already dead, but what? Yeah. Just, it gets worse. Okay. And I'm probably going to make you go, Ugh, in a minute. Oh, no. Yeah, we, we do have the disclaimer that does stuff does get graphic sometimes, and I'm not going to be as graphic as I had heard it, but yeah. this is what okay. So afterwards, you know, she's tired and messy, so she takes a shower. And then she takes his wallet and gets his debit card out and travels to the closest town that has an ATM available. And she withdraws $1,000 and then goes back to the house because she has work to do. To clean it up. Well, sort of. Okay. So, she worked at the butcher shop. I mean, we know where this is going. Yeah. I think, I think you know where it's going. She in the to, to, an, to an extent. Yeah. Um, so, she skins them. Oh, no. And she hangs it on a meat hook. In front of the kitchen, like as a suit, skin suit, like this an animal. This is terrible. I'm not. I'm nowhere near done. And so she decapitates him. Oh my! And then she puts a pot of boiling water on the stove. <gasps> Does she? And puts the head. Oh no! With some vegetables like zucchini, and <gasps> potatoes, and carrots and stuff. How did she go that and far then, down? Uh, and then she makes some steaks. Mm. Out of I think him a buttocks area. Oh no! And puts them in the oven. With some more vegetables. Oh my gracious. And then she makes two play settings at the table. And she labels them his children's names. <gasps> and she fed them to his kids? She was planning on it. But they oh, weren't home. They were yeah. That's good. Okay. So I think this was just like a look what I, what yeah. I can do kind of thing. Yeah. So the head's still on the stove with the vegetables. 
Two plates are set at the table with his kids' names on them. She props him up somehow without skin. And yeah. Milk. So then she makes she makes gravy. I forgot she made gravy. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know what she made gravy out of. But no one likes dry meat, so yeah. she made gravy. Oh my word. Um. Yeah. And so then she takes a bunch of pills and lays down. Okay. To wait. And to kill herself. Not to kill herself. Oh. So that she would be groggy and incoherent when they found her. Like, she plans on his body being found. Okay. So, she just lays down and just goes to sleep. Okay. So, people got suspicious that he's not at work the next day. And his car's in the driveway. And they go knock on the door. No one answers. So, they get police involved. So, by the time police get there and discover this whole gruesome crime scene. Very gruesome. Like, the pot is still warm. Like, it had just just happened and she's passed out on the floor under a sheet in the bedroom blood everywhere because of all this stuff and so her story they take her to the hospital because obviously she is unconscious for some reason she she can't remember what happened her whole plea of insanity was she has no idea that she did this like she has no idea what happened but she knows exactly what kind of medicine and how much she took to tell the hospital to make sure they keep her alive oh wow so, so yeah, she so knew. obviously she yeah. she was with it. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I think, and there was a third plate that was thrown outside, and they think, of course, this is all conjecture at this yeah. point. They think that maybe she had tried to eat but couldn't. Okay, and then threw it out for the dogs. Oh wow, oh, that's gross. Yeah, but all Every, of it is gross. All but, of it is, and how she went so far off yeah, the like, rails. Yeah. yeah. And oh so, gracious. in 2001 was her trial, and the judge sentenced her to life in prison without parole. And we hear that a lot. But that was the first time in Australian history it had ever been given to a woman. Wow. And it's marked on her papers never to be released. Like, she's appealed it, but they're like, She hey, does not no. need to be. No. But wait till you hear about her life in prison. Oh. Because we always joke through, through it. Yeah. Three knots in a cot. Yeah, three okay. knots in a cot. So she's at Silverwater Women's Correctional Center, and um, I mean, I would hopefully they shouldn't give her a kitchen job. Oh, they call her the Nana. No, she's prohibited from being anywhere. Oh, good. Don't let her denies. But they call her Nana, and she's well respected. She's well liked. She is like the top boss. She knows exactly what's going on. She helps keep the other girls from fighting with it. She's never had to be violent in prison because they knew she was what she did automatically gave her like. Status. Crazy. Yeah. Like, we don't were... mess with this lady. Yeah. And so <laughs> she is like the one to go to, that confident to solve all the problems. And so now she's, but she's got stability. So she's actually thriving. She's happy. She's a knitter and a crocheter. She has all, she's a skilled artist who does charity, who sells her works for charity. Oh my gracious. The jail. She doesn't sign them because she doesn't want people to buy it because they're from her. She just wants to make money for the jail and charities. So, so she her does, heart has. She does. She says she found religion, which we've heard that the last the last story. Um, so she actually has a daily routine. So she's knitting and crocheting. Yep, knitting, crocheting. Her, I saw a picture not of her jail cell because she only has a one person jail cell because they're not. She's not allowed to have a roommate. I would not. She's like considered Ooh. maximum security level four, whatever. She has four guards that watch her daily routine. Um, even though she's never exhibited any violence in prison. Weird. Um, yeah, but the one of the jail cells that was decorated to me looked like a college dorm room. I mean, it was like bedspreads and pictures on the wall and like 
hearts and it just was like wow. this to me it just like a bedroom a small bedroom yeah and then there was another picture of this high security women's correctional center and they had like a view of outside and a nice desk and i'll show you the pictures it did not look like wow. our thoughts of maximum yeah prison. but so she has a daily routine she's got a job so she gets up at seven and she goes to work she's actually she makes headphones oh okay. she works at this factory and they say she's the produces the best the most she finishes all her work on time she gets paid the most in the prison for it and she works from eight to one and four guards flank her as she's doing her job and then she eats lunch and retires to her cell where she does her art and poetry and crochets and knits and she she's even the prison's event planner oh my gracious every friday they have a catch-up event and she is coordinating food and and has everybody do this little get together oh how i thought that was funny that is hilarious because she's enjoying her she's enjoying her life yeah at the women's correctional center she was evil maybe it was the factor of the man in her life that drove her crazy or well she would always hear her mom talk about yeah the man the the husband husband man man man, yeah i don't know but that was that was interesting that is a very uh, you yeah she was off the chain till the end and then the end she just went further down uh, mm. and so that article i don't know how anybody can in, do that yeah her life in prison was like just a couple years ago so i'm sure she's still yeah out. yeah because of the 50s she's probably what i can't do math my head's <laughs> clogged but anyway it's too late for me. yeah we're good well that was very interesting i hadn't heard of that one no. so did you see a um did you see that on tv or no actually i listened to a podcast okay and it was a two-part podcast i actually went into more detail of um different incidents and more graphic stuff that we i'm gonna try to see how old she might be we'll see oh we're getting math out now i'm getting math out because i'm curious i think she was born in 1957 is that what we said um i can consult my notes because i think it was (laughs) 1957 but check yeah Let's see. And if you're listening, you're probably screaming it at us right now. Yeah. You know it. I know. 55. 55. So then she was, um, six, she'll be 67. Oh, yeah. So she's got quite she's a ways young. to go. She's yeah. going to hang out and crochet and knit her just, life away. I don't think if I knew anything came from her, I wouldn't want it. I'm sure there's somebody out there that would want it, but. I just, no, that's why she's decided. Yeah. So you don't, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting, sad. Another man who did get away or thankful they got away. The yes. two Davids and once John. They, once they probably heard about that, they were. Yeah. So. And her kid said that most people, most women in the prison have like phone calls or they get like, like she doesn't get any. Like I think her entire family was like just cut her out. Uh, which I get, it's understandable. Yeah. Um, so she really doesn't have anybody on the outside. Yeah. Wow. That's sad. There's what four kids, and some of them were born in the '88, so about just yeah, a little younger than me, or old, and about the same age. Yeah, makes you wonder. Hopefully, they're able to have a decent life. I hope mm. so. Very interesting. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Yep. So you could always join our Facebook group, Old Time Crime Gals. You can email us at oldtimecrimegals at gmail.com. Listen to us wherever you find your podcast. Spotify, Apple, Google, and just remember, we'll be back next week. And in the meantime, if you do the crime, remember, we'll catch up with you in time. And we'll talk about it.